0: All right, good morning, everyone. Hey, it's good to be back here with you guys. Uh, I've been gone for a little while. It feels like a, a lot longer than it really has been, but uh, past couple of weeks, uh, I've been in Guatemala. Had a wonderful time there with our vision team. And I'm not going to get too much into that right now because next week we're going to talk to you guys a little bit about it. Share a little bit of uh, some stories and pictures. and uh, But we had a great time. We had a really good time out there. And then last week I was with our youth students. They were at their uh, winter camp. I think that was their first winter camp they've had in a couple of years for, for obvious reasons. But awesome time over there with an awesome group of kids just uh, drawn closer to God and drawn closer to each other. And my daughter, I couldn't talk to her for like Three days. She was just like, ugh. And that's what happens when you go up and down a sledding hill nonstop all day long. But uh, it was cool. It was just good to see them uh, just coming together and having a good time. And then, lastly, just to share this with everybody yesterday we moved. We have finally officially arrived in Washington. We are not in a place where we're just waiting. We're here and really part of the family. So we're, we're really excited about that uh, to be able to say that we have a home here in Washington. And it means that we really get to be officially part of this family. We are not going anywhere. So, um, So yeah, today I get the privilege of uh, finishing up Romans 9 and going into Romans 10 and I really liked um, I got to watch Kevin's message to try and prepare for what we were going to be talking about today and I and I really appreciate how Kevin was getting through chapter 9 because it's not an easy chapter and and he was upfront about this I mean he had to talk about some real deep theological things that I think even after hearing it we're still like okay yeah that sounds good but I'm still not sure And, and, and that's okay I mean, the, the Bible is, is telling us about God and how can we fully understand, how can we fully grasp who God is and understand things like sovereignty and election and all that. But, but I really do love the, the theological take that Kevin puts on things. He used a term, um, real deep, serious term, as he called Romans chapter 9, a real humdinger. Great word. It's uh, you know that that's Greek for. I'm not really sure what other word I should use, so I'll say humdinger. Okay, but um, but he did a great job, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of continue off of the foundation that he laid. So, um, if you would, let's uh, pray, and then we're gonna get into the word. Father, thank you that we have this time and this freedom to be able to gather together and worship your name. We thank you that you have given us this place. We thank you also, Lord God, that we can worship you and hear from you, not just here, but anywhere and everywhere that we go. But for now, Lord, as we are gathered in your house, we ask and pray that you would come and be with us. Holy Spirit, would you anoint this place and would you give me the words to speak so that we hear you and that we are able to go out and take what you give to us and take it out into the world, Lord. Amen. So as I said, we're finishing up Romans 9, so we're going to be uh, in the last verses there. You can open up your your Bibles to Romans chapter 9. It's uh, in the New Testament after the Gospels, so you just just go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then you're in Romans. If you hit Corinthians, you've gone just a little bit too far, and so you can back up, and then you'll be there. So I'm going to start here at, uh, at verse 30, and we're just going to kind of read some verses and then see what the Lord has to say to us. Paul says this. What shall we say then? Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained righteousness, namely the righteousness that comes from faith. But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not achieved the righteousness of the law. Why is that? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, look, I am putting a stone in Zion to stumble over and a rock to trip over. And the one who believes on him will not be put to shame. All right. So to go in here, I want to give a little context first. Um, We might have talked about this at the beginning of Romans. We've been in Romans for a while, so it's always good to kind of have a little bit of a refresher. But one of the things that we know that's happening in Romans is that we have two audiences here. And we're not even talking about ourselves right now. We're talking about the people that Paul was originally writing to. So Romans is being written to two different groups of believing people. You have the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. And there is some strife between the two believers here. Because they're coming to God in two very different ways and they have very different backgrounds. So you start with the the Romans, with the Gentile believers. And Paul is saying they have come into righteousness by faith. Plain and simple. So... Roman, I don't know all the details about Roman religion, but we do know that they had a pantheon of gods, and they would worship all of them or some of them, and they would have their little idols, and they had to do different things, and, and you know, it was probably tedious, just like the, the Jewish faith was at times of trying to adhere to the law. So, someone comes along, a follower of Jesus, and just starts sharing the gospel, and they're like, really? Really? That's all it is. I just have to believe that Jesus died on the cross and you're telling me he actually rose from the grave. You saw him? You actually saw him back? Like I've heard of this, but you're telling me you actually saw it for yourself? All right, sign me up for that. I mean, if this is a guy who really did rise from the grave, all right, I'm gonna put my faith in that. And so you've got these Gentile believers who are just coming and like, I believe, I've got faith. And that's all there is to it right there. And then from there, they are now being sanctified. They are growing to become more and more like Jesus. We're not here to say like, okay, it's just by faith and you don't have to change or anything like that. You just start with faith and then God is working in your life and you are becoming a different kind of person. But the Jewish people on the other hand are like, hold on a second. How come they get to just simply believe and we had to go through everything that we went through, not to mention the fact that these people that are accepting it by faith are our oppressors. They don't like the fact that the Romans are actually being able to, to follow Jesus and accept this gift. They're thinking on the other hand, we, we were the ones who were in, you know, in Egypt as slaves, then we were exiled out of the promised land, then we were, we were oppressed by the Babylonians, the Persians, the Syrians, and now even by the Romans. That doesn't really sound too fair. So the Israelites, the nation of Israel, they were constantly trying to achieve righteousness by their acts, by works. They had the law, a couple hundred different laws that they said, as long as we follow all these laws down to the letter, then we are going to achieve the righteousness of God. But that was never God's plan. God's plan was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And they were stumbling over this. One, because they couldn't accept the fact that things were not exactly as they thought that they were going to be. Their understanding of the Messiah was something completely different. But then Jesus comes and shows them something else. And they're still like, well, wait a minute, we can't. We can't accept that. That's, that's not how we've lived our lives for hundreds of years, for thousands of years. This is the way that we have followed after God. We're not going to change. And that's why Paul, he's anticipating the argument of Israel. Because anytime there's an argument that's happening, he, they, they go back to the prophets, This is what the prophets say. This is what Isaiah says. This is what Hosea says. This is what Ezekiel says. But Paul anticipating that, being that he is Jewish himself and was a former Pharisee and knows how things work. He's like, you know what? I'm going to beat you to the punch and I'm going to show you by your own words that this was always God's plan. So that's why he talks about that stumbling stone in verse 33. Uh, back in 32 and 33, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. And then he gets into 33, look, I'm putting a stone in Zion to stumble over. And he's actually taking a couple of different verses from Isaiah and using them, putting them together to show that this was always God's plan. So if we look at Isaiah 28:16, this is what the prophet says. Therefore, the Lord God said, look, I have laid a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, the one who believes will be unshakable. It doesn't say the one who does good works will be unshakable. It doesn't say the one who has the best actions will be unshakable. It's saying the one who has faith, the one who believes will be unshakable. Now if you, un- if you know a little bit about construction and architecture, you-, you know that the term cornerstone is something that's very important. That's that first stone that's put down so the foundation can be built off of that particular stone. It's placed in such a way so that all of the measurements coming from there are gonna be straight and true. If you don't have this cornerstone, you might not have straight walls. They might be going a little bit on angle, a little bit crooked. And then your whole foundation, your whole house is going to be built just like that. If you don't have something that's good and true and straight, it's going to fall apart a lot quicker. So the cornerstone is so valuable, and Paul, or sorry, Isaiah here is using this as an analogy to say, this is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is what God had planted from the very beginning to be the plan of salvation, and it is sure. It is true. God is not changing his mind. He is not giving you another message. This is it. But Israel, as he said, is tripping over that stone. They're stumbling on it because they cannot accept it. The prophet also says in, verse eight, or in chapter 8, verse 14, Isaiah says this. He will be a sanctuary, but for the two houses of Israel, he will be a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And also the psalmist says in uh, Psalm eighteen twenty-two. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So even through Israel's own prophets, they're saying, listen, this is the plan of God, but he has predicted that you're going to stumble over this because they are so connected with the law. That has been their identity. God has not been their identity. The law has been their identity. And that's why Paul continues on. He says this. You get in, we get into chapter 10 here. I'm read a couple more verses. It says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them is further salvation. I can testify about them that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God and attempted to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. Since Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law. So one, just to break this down, we get into verse 10. The one thing I love here, or 10, chapter 10 verse one, the one thing I love here is even though Paul is saying, look, my brethren, Israel is stumbling. They're, they're not, they're not, Coming to God the way that they're supposed to come to God. And then when you think we think about chapter nine where he talked about election and we talked about God's sovereignty, he still has hope here. He's saying, My prayer is that is for their salvation. He still believes that they can all be saved, despite the fact that they are missing God's points they are still going to be able to reach salvation. They're still going to be able to one day understand that the righteousness of God comes through faith, not by their own works. That doesn't mean that they don't have, you know, their own work, so to speak, to do. They gotta change, they gotta change their ways. But Paul has hope that that's gonna happen. And one of the reasons he has that hope is because he sees that Israel has zeal. It says they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. What that means, is like, they say that they're zealous for God. But they're not really zealous for God. They're more zealous for something that they've attached on to God. They're zealous for the law here. Zealous, being, having zeal means great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of of a cause, or an object. It's like, we love the law. We want the law. We're gonna to adhere to the law more than anything else. We're gonna make sure we wash our hands more than anybody. We're gonna make sure that we are, we are specific down to every single ingredient when it comes to eating our food on the Sabbath. We are gonna be so zealous for the law, and that's gonna make us righteous before God. But God's like, no, why don't you just be zealous for me? For who I am? It would, it would kind of be like, you know, you're zealous for your wife's cooking but not zealous for your wife. You know, like loving your wife with everything you've got as compared to, you know, just like like oh, she's just the best cook in the world. Like that, That's great and everything. That's not why you married her, right? You married her because there's, there's just something about her that you fell in love with over and over and over again. And the cooking, that's just, that's just an extra. It's the same thing here. They have to, we have to be zealous for God. Not just One aspect of it. So they're failing they're they're missing the point right there. And then Paul goes on saying, Since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God and attempted to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. They think that by trying to achieve righteousness through works, they're going to get they're going to be righteous just like God. They think if they could just do it their way, it'll be enough. And that's not what Paul is saying here. That is not what God is saying. That's not what the prophets are saying. I think we can kind of modernize this a little bit. I think Israel was doing something that we have heard before. I say modern, and this is a little bit older, much, much, much older, but still more modern than, you know, reading the Old Testament. If you recognize this, feel free to start, you know, kind of singing along with me. Even though I'm not going to sing, you don't want to hear that. And now the end is here. And so I face that final curtain. My friend, I'll make it clear. I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I traveled each and every highway and more, much more. I did it. I did it my way. Regrets I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do. I saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway and more, much more. I did it. I did it my way. Yes, there are times I'm sure you knew when I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all and I stood tall and did it my way. For what is a man? What has he got? If not himself, then he has not. Not to say the things that, tr- that he truly feels and not the words of someone who kneels. Let the record show I took all the blows and I did it my way. That's the gospel according to Frank Sinatra right there. Bet you didn't think you're gonna come to church today and hear something like that, right? But that's what Israel was really wrapped up in. They're like, you know what? We hear what God's way is, but we are gonna do it our way. This is the way that we have always done it. This is the way we have always been trying to get to God, and this is the way we're gonna continue to try and get to God, and we're not gonna stop because our way is good. And God's like, really? Do you really think your way is good? because it's not about being good. You can never be good enough to achieve salvation. You can never be righteous like I am. That's why I sent my son to die on the cross for you. And he says here, he says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Jesus Christ is the culmination. He is the completion of the law that God gave. The law, when God gave them the law, when God gave Israel the law, he was doing that so they could see who he is and be set apart by him and also so they could make sure they were not mixing into other religions, other ways of life, so that the lineage of the Messiah would be preserved and be brought into this world one day. And they were still holding on to that so tightly and not accepting the last part, the final part. It's almost like, um, I saw the movie, I think everyone's seen it by now and it gets talked about constantly, even though it's now about a year ago that came out, but the Top Gun Maverick movie. I didn't think I was gonna like it, I loved it. It It's a great movie, heard everybody raving about it. I don't like going to see movies when everyone likes it. I think there's just, you know, I'm gonna be let down. But it was a great movie and I, I hear everyone just really enjoying it, but just imagine that you're going to this movie and like you're sitting on the edge of your seat because like you're so into it. Your hands are sweating a little bit. You hear about the mission that they're going to go on and you're like, all right, you know, what's going to happen? Are they all going to live? Are some of them going to live? Is someone going to die? We don't know. Are they going to be successful with the mission? So they're getting on the aircraft carrier and all the music is pumping everything and it's all dramatic. And finally, the, um, the Admiral there is like, send them. And, they, and, and Maverick takes off. and You're like, yeah, here we go. All the planes are in the air and they're getting in formation. And then after the last plane, you're like, I think I've seen enough. I'll just turn it off here. Yeah. It's like, for real? Like, Would you actually do that? Would you actually stop at that point? There's no way. You've got to see it to the end. And that's what Jesus is here. He is the completion. Without Jesus Christ, this law means absolutely nothing. But they're thinking, we just want to hold on to the law. And that will make us good enough. It won't. And it's impossible as well. I have here, this is a printout of the law from the book of Leviticus. That's in the Old Testament. There are 613 laws here that Israel was trying to to adhere to. Thinking that was going to get them in a right relationship with God. Check out some of them here. Okay, and, and these are this is God's word, okay. But let, let me let me explain why this becomes a problem. So here we go. So some, just to read a few: to know there is a God, to have no other gods, to know that He is one, to love Him, to fear Him, to sanctify His name, not to profane His name. That sounds pretty good, okay. Let's keep on going, okay. Not to perform or consult with fortune tellers, not to fear killing a false prophet, near, never swear in the name of an idol, not to burn your children in a sacrificial fire to Moloch. Are we all good here? Nobody, nobody's burnt their child to Moloch lately, we good on that one? Okay, we're, we're good so far. All right, not to bear a grudge. All right, come on guys, we're all done now. There's some of us here who have grudges right now, you know it, okay? All right, so we've got problems, okay? Teach toward your children to respect and defer to elders. Let the fringes on your clothes remind you to have pure conduct. My clothes are hemmed. I don't think I have any fringes. I see some of the teenagers seem to have fringes these days. They pay to have fringes. I can I can rip your pants for you, okay? If you if you're really into that, okay? To bind phylacteries so that the law will be a sign in the arm. To put up a mezuzah. Do you guys have your mezuzahs? So that the laws will be on the doorpost of your house. Each male must write a Torah scroll. The king must write a second scroll. To have fringes on the corners of your garment is to circumcise every male on the eighth day. Not to get really into it, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't the eighth day for me. I'm pretty sure it was the day I was born, okay? To rest on the seventh day, not to imitate the not to be superstitious, to not shave your beard. I shaved this morning, not to tattoo your skin. Okay, we got some problems here. There's a lot of stuff going on here. To determine the redemptive value of a plowed field, full of the procedures of vowed possessions. A non-priest must not eat the sacrificial meal. You go on and on and on, guys. This keeps on going. Look at this law. Appoint judges, not to appoint judges. Decide by majority in case of a disagreement. We've got way too much here. How can we possibly adhere to all of this and expect that we are going to be righteous before God? There's way too much, and not only this, to make sure that Israel, that what happened to Israel when they were kicked out of the promised land. Because basically, they, it wasn't about the law. It was about that they decided to chase after idols. They were not honoring God. They were not worshiping God. Well, I should change that. They did worship God, but they also worshiped other gods. And God said, you're breaking my covenant. Here are my prophets. You got to listen to my prophets. No, we don't want to listen to your prophets. We would rather burn the prophets. And God said, fine, we've, I've had enough. You're out of here. I'm sending the Babylonians in. And so in order to make sure that one, that didn't happen again, and to preserve their heritage while they were, while they were in exile, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they started to make the law even more restrictive, even tighter. So that way, they would make sure that nobody was getting mixed in and their identity was not going to disappear as they, as they mixed in with the other culture. So they added on things. They amended these laws. They started to say how many times you had to wash your hands. They started to say how, m- how much food you were allowed to eat on the Sabbath. How many steps you could take on the Sabbath. If I walk more than 10 steps on the Sabbath, and I'm just making up that number, but if I walk more than 10 steps, I've broken the law it's ridiculous. And they thought that if they did that, they would be righteous enough for God. But let me tell you something. If you've done even just one sin in your life, it doesn't matter how righteous you are. That one sin separates you from God forever. And that is why he sent his son Jesus. Because we cannot do anywhere near enough to be able to save ourselves. And so that's why Moses... er, er, Paul continues here. He says, Since Moses writes about the righteousness as from the law, the one who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart, Who will go up to heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will go down into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. What he's saying right here, he's saying, Look, God already did it. God did everything that we need so that we can be righteous before him. We can't go up to heaven and bring the Messiah down. God sent his son for us. And if he died on the cross because we needed a perfect sacrifice because we are not perfect, we're not gonna go down into the depths and bring him back up so that he can conquer death. He did that himself. God is not looking for superhuman works to be able to save us. He did it. He did it. And that's why the Gentiles are achieving righteousness by faith because they're like, I believe. And that's what Paul goes on and says here. In verse 8, he says, on the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is, the message is right here. The gospel is right here. You don't need theology training. You don't need seminary. You don't need a high mountain to go on. It's here and available for all of us right now. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the Scripture says everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame since there's no distinction between Jew and Greek because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is good news right there. That is why we call it the gospel. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Yes, we talked about election. We talked about God's sovereignty. We talked about predestination and all that kind of stuff. What I believe... It's that God knows what he's doing. And so for me, I wanna just go and tell people because I believe that God has a way and that's enough for me. Paul is saying everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They need to know, they need to hear that message. He even says that for both Jew and Greek, he's saying, listen, it doesn't matter if you came into faith in this way, you came into faith that way. You guys, God is the same. You just have to believe Jesus says in in John chapter 6, they ask him, what do we need to do to do the works of God? And he says, the will of God is this, that you would believe in the one that he sent. That you would believe in the son of God. We proclaim that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose again from the grave three days later. That's the message. Not how good you are, but how great God's grace is. This message is for everyone. It was for everyone back then, for every Jew and every Gentile. It's for your neighbor. It's for your son. It's for your daughter. It's for your coworker. It's for your your, um, fellow students. It's for everyone. It is good news for everyone. I'll tell you something. I think this world needs some good news lately. You turn on the news. I try not to turn on the news. But you turn on the news and what do you get? You get bad news, right? You get war. You get disease. You get corruption. You get assault on the institution of the family. Assault on the common sense of biology and sexuality. If you're still watching commercials, I don't know who watches commercials anymore with everything being streamed. But if you see commercials, we've got more commercials than ever before on anxiety, depression, and suicide, and then following up right after them is all the medication you can take for it to be, you know, for antidepressants. It's, it's not, it's bad news, and let me tell you something. I'm a Philly guy. My team just lost the Super Bowl two weeks ago, and I would still, like, if you understand Philly sports, like, we're morons, okay, Plain and simple. We're passionate, but we're morons. So you can only imagine what the radio sounded the day after the Super Bowl. I mean, it was terrible. Yet, I would still rather listen to that than to put on the news and hear about the world events. Because it's just, it's bad news out there. We need some good news. So, what is that news? Like I said, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I can't think of some better news than that. People don't realize what the news really is. Sometimes this world outside those doors is still, and it might even be some of you here, and that's okay. We're glad that you're here so you can hear what the gospel really is. But sometimes they kind of approach God like Israel was still approaching God. Have you ever invite somebody to church and you, and you hear this like, ah, I can't go to church. If I, go, if I step foot in there, the building will burn down. And you're like, wait a minute, why? Well, duh, like I've done some bad things and you know, God's all good. You guys are all good and perfect and everything like that. So obviously I can't go there. And it's like, they got the message wrong. They're thinking they've got to come in here perfect as if like that's going to appease God. No, it's like come in broken. Come in as you are so that you can be healed by Jesus so that you can see that it's about what he did on the cross, that your sins can be saved. Jesus tells about uh, the, Pharisee and, or, or, yeah, the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And he says a Pharisee came in. And he's like telling God all the wonderful things that he did. And then there was the tax collector who was a thief and who was a cheat. And he's beating his chest saying, Lord, forgive me. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm messed up. And then Jesus says, who do you think went away justified that day? And it was the tax collector because he was realizing who he was before God. They need to hear that good news. So Paul goes on, he says this, How then can they call on him they have not believed in? How can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Good news. Bringing good news. And good news, how can they believe without hearing about it? How can they hear without a preacher? Good news, we got a preacher right here. We got Kevin, right? Great preacher, awesome preacher. I'm so glad I get to learn from him and and, and I get to hear him. But is is that what this message is talking about here? Let's send out the preacher, right? Because they all need good news, right? So just imagine if Kevin was just going out there to preach the good news. Have you guys heard the good news? Have you heard the good news? Have you heard the good news? Have you, heard, have you heard it? Have you guys heard the good news? Have you heard the good news? Hey, over there. Have you guys, oh, I'll get to you guys in a second. Have you heard the good news? Let me tell you. I don't have time because I get over there. You hear the good news? Who hasn't heard the good news yet? Let me get over here. Uh, you know what? Let me just squeeze in here real fast, I don't wanna see. Good news, heard it, good news, good news. Come on, come on, come on, let me throw it. I gotta do this fast, good news, good news, good news. Have you all heard the good news on the camera? Heard the good news? All right, I'm getting over to you guys. I don't wanna ignore you. Good news, have you heard the good news? No, you haven't? Oh, I gotta talk to you later, okay? Uh, Good news, okay, come on, who has heard the good news? I haven't even gotten to the middle guys yet. Come on, how can we possibly do this? I gotta catch my breath. Watch this video. I mean, you you, you go to church, right? I mean, I do. yeah, so what what are your thoughts on on God and church and heaven and stuff? All great questions, just um, it needs to be answered. Pretty deep question for out on the lawn this morning. I do have a lot of thoughts on that particular issue. Sam, you rang? That's for Mike, what took you so long? He was just asking me kind of what I believe. Gotcha, I'll take it from here. Thanks. See you guys. Okay. Well, first of all, Sam believes the Bible's the inspired, infallible word of God, Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross as a, a propitiation. I'm sure your dad's going to start coming to the games, you know, once the divorce is funny how things get better. Pastor. Can I can I get a minute? Ah, uh, not really. I'm, I'm babysitting. I've got some groceries to deliver, and Bill. I'm That's great. For... Look, hey, Jack over here needs somebody to show him the love of Christ. Dad's a real jerk. You know, you got the counseling background. You got tickets to a game. We are late. Maybe just a round of catch to show him. Hey, somebody cares. Yeah. well... See no. you Sunday. It's okay. It's okay. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I'm feeling okay, but the place. Is falling apart. I just don't know what to do. Every last dollar goes to the doctor. What can be done? Uh, wow. I don't. I don't know. That's. That sounds really sad. Somebody need a minister? Oh, pastor. Great. Um, she can't take care of her house. There's got to be something someone can do for her, right? You mean help her out, uh, meet her needs? That's a great idea. Why did I think of that? <laughs> don't know. I I just did preach a 16 week series on showing love in practical ways. Oh yeah. Hey, great series. Good luck, huh? Actually, I was just helping an older woman walk across the street. I left her in the median. Hi. Little humor for us, but um, I think it hits home too. The, the verse that, that Paul speaks here is from Isaiah as well. And the, the full verse is saying, how blessed are the feet upon the mountaintops that bring good news. Mountaintops plural, feet plural. Yeah, Kevin's the preacher here at church, but can he go to every mountain? How are we going to reach out? How's the whole world going to hear this good news? If only he goes. It's got to be all of us, guys. So, my challenge for us today if you believe, will you go? Will you go out into the mountaintops and proclaim? See, the word preacher is just, it means the word herald. It doesn't mean pastoral training, it doesn't mean seminary, it just means willing to go and speak. And the word sent is actually from the Greek word apostolos, where we get the word apostle from. But we know that, yeah, maybe the 12 were the ones that were sent out originally, but so many more were sent after that. Every follower is able to share the good news. So will you go if you know? Because this world, that world out there needs it, desperately needs some good news and we have good news the good news is too good for just one person it's too good just to finish up the verses here verse 16 we'll wrap up but not all obey the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. But I asked, did they not hear? Yes, they did. Their voice has gone out to the whole earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I asked, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that lacks understanding. And Isaiah says boldly, I was found by those who are not looking for me. I revealed myself to those who are not asking for me. There are going to be people who don't obey. There are going to be people who reject the gospel. There are always going to be people who are still going to say, I did it my way and I'm going to keep doing it my way. My challenge here is first, check yourself. Are you one of those my way people? Are you still trying to do it your way and it's not working and you know deep down inside it's not working, but you're like, I'm going to keep on pushing through because at some point things are going to change when you know really it's not. And let me tell you this too. If you really think that you can be stubborn enough to say my way is going to be good enough, it's your way versus God's way. And I can tell you he's going to win because he's God whether you like it or not. But then also, let's not be concerned about who's going to reject and who's going to accept. Let's just go and tell it on the mountain. God will take care of the rest. And then the final verse here. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. It's just Jesus out there saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You're fighting and you're fighting and you're fighting and you're tired and your ways are not working. I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. You just got to take a step of faith and come forward. And I'll take my arms and I'll put them like this around you. And yeah, it's not going to be easy because we are talking about being forgiven of sin and leaving the old man behind. But God wants to do that in your life. And God wants to do that out there as well. So if you need that, make today that day where you say yes to the gospel. And if you've said yes, will you join us in going out there to let the world know that there still is good news? Let's pray. Father, um, we're just in awe of the gift that you have given to us. We are amazed that you would love a sinful broken people as we are. And that you would take our place. Thank you, Father, for this good news that you have given to us. That even in a broken world, there is still good news to be had. Our prayer this day is that for those who don't know the good news that they would know. For those who have been suffering doing it their way. That they would leave the old behind and press in on you. And I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, will you come and anoint this church. So that we will go to our mountains. Whichever mountain that may be, will we go and carry the good news, Lord? Send us. We will go.